said breakfast on SAFM. Destination unknown. 12 minutes past nine, you are with SAFM 104 to 107. Don't forget the lovely KG on at 10 o'clock and she'll take you through to one with seasons. So, at this time on a Sunday morning, we mix it up a bit and we get a guest presenter. We talk to them. We talk to their guests, the people that they uh, want to engage with as well. We listen to their music. We even discuss sometimes the books that they are reading. Who is our guest today? Wendy Tlow is the executive head of humanitarian relief and brand communications organization, the Solidarity Fund. What a job to have now. And I suppose we could describe it as communication in a time of crisis. And we'll talk about that in depth in a moment or two. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me, Michelle. But what a great song. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I listened to it. First of all, it brings me incredible joy because I just think it's a fabulous song. But I also think it is a song of a time gone by. And things are different now. And it, I find that very moving. Yeah. No, absolutely. I mean, it is a time. I think it was released in 1998, <laughs> um, four years into our democracy, when, um, you know, the, the country um, had so much hope um, that underpinned what it could become. Um, and I think the youthful spirit of Guaido as a, as a movement in South Africa was a, a great symbolism of, um, of the hopes of the new generation post-1994. Um, so you're quite right. It does represent a time gone by um, and, and, um, and hopefully a time that is yet to come again, you know, um, because... We, we are experiencing um, you know, massive challenges and issues as a South African people. Um, but for me, on a personal level, it, 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 it's always brought me so much joy. Um, I love the song. Um, it reminds me of a time when I was younger and um, didn't have the worries of the world and of adulting hmm. um, on my shoulders and didn't have to solve um, for problems um, such as the ones we are living in um, at the moment. Um, a carefreeness, um, uh, you know, a, a, a young spirit, um, just dancing, uh, no worries in the world, fun, yeah, and, um, and the possibilities that lay ahead. You know, Wendy, I'm, I'm going to dive right into the personal, is that in many ways you talk about a time when we were dancing and the, with the, Particularly in the last couple of years, there's been a deep sense of loss. And I know that that's been your experience as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. So um, the past three years of my life have been, um, sure, the most personally uh, painful, um, challenging, um, questioning, and and really just filled with um, sadness. I mean, it, it hasn't been the overpowering thing, but it certainly has been a theme mm. in my life. Um, I, I've lost... Um, so I come from a four-person family, my mom, my dad, my sister, and myself, and me being the youngest. Um, and, and as you can imagine, um, the youngest and then had this support system and network that was just filled with so much stability, with love, with guidance, um, and with a deep sense of um, um, cultural 
um, um, beliefs and, and values. Mm. Um, I lost my mom to cancer in 2018. I lost my dad to COVID in December last year. And then I lost my sister to COVID as well in June wow. this year. So it has been, um, you know, when we talk about the crises that, is ha- um, that, are, ha- that are happening around the world from, from a number of different perspectives, um, yeah. the one of this pandemic has been deeply personal to me. And that's why I think the work that I do um, becomes so much more meaningful. Um, I think I, I, I walked into it with a sense of purpose, with a sense of, um, sort of active citizenry and mm. contributing to the country. But as I went through and experienced the loss of my dad and my sister, it really became a personal mission for me um, yeah. and, and really moved from just being a purpose to something really quite personal for me yeah. um, in terms of just making sure that we understand um, just the impact of this pandemic, um, not from a generic um, um, talk about talk about it perspective, but from that people have lost um, loved ones, and yeah. for me, my center of navigation has been completely shook uh, because I am now the only surviving member of my immediate family, and now I have to navigate this life on my own, um, and that is quite a lot to deal with, um, especially dealing with it at this time when we are going through a pandemic when people are experiencing sickness and or death. Um, So it has been challenging. But, um, you know, um, I I also smile because I had a very long time with my parents. My my parents died in their 80s. So I've had a very long life with them. um, And I've had the lessons I was supposed to get from them and the guidance I was supposed to get from them. And I know that I navigate it alone now, but certainly with learnings and deep learnings from what they taught me. Wendy, you you talk about um, something that that we have discussed here on the show, actually in in the book section of all places, where we spoke about how the last couple of years have been a lesson in a couple of things, a lesson in gratitude, and I'm thinking of the fabulous book by Oliver Sacks, which you should try and get a very small little pocket-sized book called Gratitude, and, and it focuses on... Uh, life and loss, but the gratitude of it. And then the second part of that, and you mentioned both of these so clearly, is um, the book by Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie about yeah. grief. Grief, um, yeah. And so there's this this constant balancing in the world of grief and gratitude, grief and gratitude, which, as you say, is such a profound road to navigate for anyone. What has helped you do that? Um, you know, Michelle, I think firstly, it's been the support of my um, extended family. Yeah. Um, I come from a big extended family and um, mostly based in Port Elizabeth, where uh, my parents lived and well, mm. where I call home. So that has been um, um, a massive uh, point of gratitude for me because in spite of all the grief, we've managed to find moments of laughter, um, yeah. of remembrance, of memories of the people that we have lost. Um, secondly, um, and, uh, you know, I shudder to say this, but my work yeah. has kept me sane. Which is kind um, of ironic. The, yeah, yeah the, the work that I do has kept me sane. The, the, the challenges we face, the constant um, questioning, um, the 
the, the listening to the population and the citizenry in terms of where their, their psyche and headspaces are at yeah. in terms of navigating this pandemic. That um, and creating the solutions and developing the solutions, some which work, some which don't, um, has also been a point of sanity. But I'm also very much a person, I'm generally a, a happy person, you know, and, and I don't want to use the word happy because it seems so vanilla, if you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm generally... Can we just so be when vanilla I, <laughs> and happy, please? <laughs> so so when, I, when I'm on my own, which I... Which, you know, which I enjoy a lot. Yeah. I'm deeply aware of that. I'm in a good place, um, and that has helped me a lot. I'm yeah. in a good place. I'm in a good place emotionally, psychologically, mentally, physically, and um, and I am fulfilled. And to be honest, the way I sum it up, Michelle, is that I'm happy with my lot, yeah. um, and my lot is enough for me. Um, yeah. So I'm not chasing anything. I don't feel like I lack anything, and that has given me a lot of strength to be able to rationally make sense of what has happened to me on a personal level, but also emotionally find the strength. I'm going to pause you there for a moment because we need to go to a break. We're chatting to Wendy Tlow, the executive head um, of the Humanitarian Relief and Brand Communication Organization, the Solidarity Fund, and we've seen some very interesting work coming out of it in the last uh, couple of years with the COVID crisis. But uh, as she notes, we are all, in many ways, prisoners. The Jet Set Breakfast on SAFM, destination unknown. It's 9.22, and we promised Johanna to send out the details for the National Shelter Movement for Homeless People. And so Johanna, who sent us a message saying, please send the contacts for Johanna Spoke Homeless People. I'm in Lehigh, so the nearest shelter would be fine. Uh, What I'm going to suggest, Johanna, is that you call the toll-free number, which is 0800 001 005. So that's 0800 001 005. Or you send an SMS or a WhatsApp to, or a please call me to 082-057-8600. And I'll give you that number again, 082-057-8600. You can WhatsApp, send a please call me, or send an SMS. It's 9.23. We're chatting to Wendy Tlaw. She's the executive head of the Solidarity Fund. And Starting off on a very personal level, which I suppose then takes us, Wendy, to the work that you are doing with the Solidarity Fund. And you mentioned the word purpose a little bit earlier. Mm. And the concept of communication in crisis, and I'm not even saying specifically during COVID. I mean, it could be, uh, it could be climate crisis. There's so many different things it could be. But how we think about communication in crisis is very linked to how we think about purpose. What is my purpose? What is the purpose I have here in this time of crisis, of turbulence, of complexity? Perhaps you could just uh, take that and tease that out for us a little bit. Um, you know, Michelle, I think it starts on a personal level, yeah. right? I think it starts very much on people's um, own personal values. I think Um, crises generally ask us um, what is it that centers us? What is it that makes us believe that we are worthy of being in this world? And what do we do as individuals um, to um, make sure that 
um, we are living lives uh, worthy of living. So I think it starts very much on that level. Um, and it is also about, obviously, um, the, the broader um, element of um, what, what, where are societies at? Where, where do we stand as a people? And what are the things that we value um, as a people um, in order for us to live satisfactory lives or thriving lives? Um, but also with the with the mindset that says, how do we then make sure that that which we have is available for future generations? Yeah. Um, and in the work that we do, we found that is um, is, is very much the truth. Um, in that um, we we understand that South Africans are living in a in a, in a very tumultuous time, right? Um, economically, um, our social context has has been. Um, one of um, um, separation and therefore the consequences of that. Um, we have um, raging poverty in, 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 in the large parts of our country mm. where people are worried about just how they're going to make it through the next hour, let alone through a pandemic. Yeah. Um, and those contexts are very important in framing, therefore, how we package and conceive of the communication we do in terms of getting through and having traction with people. So there's communication that we can do for the sake of communicating. But I think what has driven the purpose in the work that we do is really about um, um, conceptualizing and really listening to what people are saying and being able to translate that and, and draw from it insight that we can use to center our communication. So our communication has been very much led by responsiveness to what the citizenry is, is, is talking about or is feeling at that moment. So, um, and I think that's very, very important because, um, you know, there are many strategies to deal with crisis. We could use fear as a strategy mm. to deal with crisis. And we could, we could have chosen to show people um, all the all the deaths that have happened as a result of the pandemic. But I think that would not be appropriate, perhaps in the South African context, because we know that death has many, many um, different interpretations, depending on what cultural beliefs you have. And that could have potentially alienated um, a large part of our society. So the way that we have approached it is really to say, we need to be centered on data, but also, I'm very much a person who's centered on gut, who's centered on listening, or centered on um, hearing what the citizenry is saying. So I'm very curious in nature. And really, it's been about a combination of that data um, and the analysis and the insights that come out of that data in terms of where the large part of the majority is, but also to say, but what am I feeling? What am I thinking as an individual? Because I, too, am part of that citizenry. And how is that being um, amplified on different communication platforms? How is it coming mm. out? And we're finding that we're talking to a citizenry that is frustrated. We're talking yeah. to a citizenry that is broke. We're talking to a citizenry that is anxious. Broke we're and broken, actually. Exactly. And we're talking to a citizenry that is depressed. Yeah. Um, so as you then conceive the communication, it's about saying, how then do we produce communication that will have resonance, that will have traction, 
that will have understanding. And we often misinterpret that understanding to be just about language, right? To say, yeah. oh, we've translated this into 11 languages and people should understand it. No, there's context and there's environment. Well, that's what we were talking about earlier, yeah. Exactly, in which these yeah. conversations happen. Um, and I think that's been a, a useful way of us approaching how we talk to people. But importantly, as we now see... Um, the disappointing, um, the way that I see it, the, the disappointing take-up of the vaccines. Um, we realize that we need to have a gear shift to say, perhaps we need to listen better. Perhaps there's things that we're not hearing because we're not listening. And I really believe in listening brands because listening brands are brands that are then able to um, respond and, 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 and package themselves in a way that resonates from what the consumer or the citizen is saying. So we're now taking a step back and saying, we've done all this work, um, firstly, in educating people about what COVID-19 is, secondly, in terms of educating people about what vaccines are, and now um, trying to encourage as many people to vaccinate as possible. But that as, that necessarily is not having as much traction as, as, as we'd like it to have. And mm. therefore, the question is, how do we listen better? Um, and how do we find ourselves in those environments that allow us to listen, that allow us to um, draw from people what their fears and concerns are and to address them and not address them from a classist or from a denialist perspective to say that that is a valid concern for that person. It may not be for me. So, and therefore, how do we go about let's, addressing let's, that? Let's put that? Let's put that call to our listeners. So I, I'm going to ask our listeners, how would you like to have it communicated to you? Now, if you are one of the 15% or whatever it is who is a vaccine denialist or a COVID denialist, then I'm not asking for your response. We know what your exactly. response is, and that's fair. Your response is fair. But it's not the response we're looking at for today. But if you're feeling a little anxious or a little hesitant, or if you're not sure why you're not doing it, send us a message. We would love to hear from you. What is it you would like to engage with when it comes to the messaging that comes to you as Wendy is discussing if the Solidarity Fund is communicating a purpose in a time of crisis what is that message that you believe you'd like to hear and how would you like to hear it would you like to see it on TV would you like to mm. see it in print would you like to have someone come to your house as a volunteer yeah. and explain the process to you we'd love to hear from you you're welcome to SMS us WhatsApp us etc talking about SMSing and WhatsApping you guys loved Sporting Zorro so because you loved Sporting Zorro which we did as well we're going to give Sporting Zorro we don't actually know who Sporting Zorro is but we're going to give her to you again Dang, admit it. If you're a fan of karaoke, that's the one song you actually have to bypass because there's no ways you can just sing like that. Well, many people can, but uh, certainly not within my small circle of friends. That's the choice of our guest presenter, Wendy Tlow. She is the executive head of the Solidarity Fund. We're talking about communication. We're talking about listening. What do we hear? And uh, also how we engage with the future as well. But Yolanda Adams, I'm going to be ready. Whew, Wendy, that's a song. <laughs> that's a song and a half. 
I love Yolanda Adams. So um, I have quite a little story with Yolanda Adams. Um, one of the other songs called Fragile Heart mm. um, was the last song I was listening to on the day my mom died um, as I was driving from work. And I used to, I used to work um, out in uh, the Northwest at uh, Longman. So I had long drives back to, wow. to yeah. Johannesburg every day. And um, so that, that, you know, she has a very special place in my heart. But this song in particular, for me, has a line in it that really resonates with me, which says, sight beyond what I see. Mm. Um, and it, it, it's become so personally relevant to me, um, you know, after the losses that I've experienced in the past three years, just to have faith and to believe that um, there are things that I may not but, um, uh, you know, the power of God and the power of uh, me being a, a Christian, I might, I might add that I'm not a church-going Christian, but certainly a, a believer in, in, in God, um, that there are things that I may not see, there are things that I may not be aware of, but I have that other guidance. I have the spirits of my parents and my sister, um, and, and um, I should have faith and, and trust that I'll be okay, I'll be okay, and... and it makes me, it makes me so, um, I think, so almost comforted in that yeah. I don't have to know everything, um, uh, but I do have the ability to um, navigate on my own. And the things that I may be blind to, hmm. um, I think, uh, we, we know, one will be guided them um, and and I, and I really really believe in that so it resonates for me so so much it's also a very grateful Sunday feeling song yeah. um, and <laughs> Sunday is always a special day at home um, you know we gather around food and conversation um, and all manner of things so it just reminds me of a really happy and warm place you know um, that I think I can draw from it's it's I, I, I love when you say we don't have to know anything um, one of the things I've realized over the last two years, and, and part of it is because I went back to school to study, but, but also just because of what's been happening in that, is that this has been a profound lesson in humility and, and understanding what we don't know as yeah. opposed to what we do know. Yeah. Um, it's been so profound that because it's meant that we've had to really just snip, snip to, to the small things we know and, and understand, as you say, that I don't know everything, but but I have I have a way to go in the journey. Talking Absolutely. of the journey, your first guest, Mabalani Mfundisi, Mfundisi meaning teacher, of course. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, who is Mabalani, and why are we talking to Mabalani Mfundisi? So, Mabalani is somebody I met uh, recently through the fund, through the work I do in the fund, and. Um, having worked, um, you know, in, in, in corporate and in sort of quasi-government agencies such as Brands of Africa and SA Tourism, um, I haven't really had much experience working with the NGO sector in the country. Mm. And this experience of, uh, of um, the Solidarity Fund has really thrust me at the center of working with community partners, with social partners, and many other key stakeholders that I've necessarily not been exposed to. And Mabalane um, is heading up an, uh, an NGO. They're called the COVID-19 Community Constituency Front, and they do amazing work in supporting 
the work of the Solidarity Fund, but also what that they do on their own, in terms of really being on the, the guys on the, in the trenches, the guys who are doing the talking, who are the guys who are directly engaging with communities at every level across all the provinces. And I thought that it would be important to um, to get his voice as well around, yeah. A, you know, how, how should we behave as, as corporate citizens or as citizens, and particularly corporate citizens and brands, in terms of assisting and being visible in meaningful ways, in, experience, in experienced ways, yeah. um, as we deal with crisis. I thought his voice from that perspective would be very, very useful. Mabalani, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, uh, Michelle, and uh, morning, Wendy. <laughs> hey. And Fundisti um, would mean preacher and teacher. Exactly. What, but it's Sunday, <laughs> so let me be the preacher. <laughs> I'd like the teacher on a Sunday as well, if you don't mind, Mabalani. So, you know, we were saying a little bit earlier, Mabalani, that... Um, the idea of communication could come in so many different forms. And I'm listening to you and I'm wondering with regards to the work that you do, whether the the approach, the physical approach, as in volunteers who go out and literally knock on doors and talk to people and preach, as you say, who are the teacher and the preacher, is that not one of the, the, the approaches that we could use with regards to communicating uh, the COVID uh, pandemic? Yeah, that's what we are doing in the trenches. And thanks to the support of, uh, you know, Wendy and, and the colleagues at the Solidarity Fund. Um, I mean, what could be, where would we be if a an innovative approach like Solidarity Fund was not put in place? But, but the work that we, we really do around that is to ensure that uh, you were speaking about, uh, you know, knowing. And one of the challenges that we have to deal with to ensure that people understand the gravity we are dealing with and why mm. they need to put their hands forward in terms of, uh, you know, taking vaccination. That sometimes dealing with people who don't know what they don't know, you have to be patient with them so that you can win them over and they become the, the champions that we want. So uh, whilst, uh, you know, through the media platforms, communication gets the issues across to people, we also need to do that door-to-door engagement. We need to do people-to-people engagement. Mm. It takes uh, it takes time, but once uh, you make a winning, it's a winning for life. And uh, Solidarity has seen value in what we do, and to the best of their ability, they have supported us and others who do the same work as we do, so mm. that every day we wake up to just go win one person over, and one person will win another thousand and... Voila, at some point, we will get to where we want to be, which you know, is to have fun again. Mabalani, you've, you've, what you've raised about we, we, we you know, there's that, there's that whole um, thing that, um, how does it go exactly, Wendy, you may know this better, um, is that we know what we know, we know what we don't know, but then you move on, it's like we don't know what we don't know. Yeah. And, and so if you get to that part of the graph where we don't know what we don't know, that becomes a very difficult space to communicate in, surely. For, and I, I'll put that question to both of you. Mabalani, let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, just, it's just having patience. And the yeah. country that we are, uh, you know, having come from apartheid and uh, the 
challenges that the uh, apartheid has created on our mentality, uh, the deprivation that it has caused. Some people are, are in the positions that they are in because they, they don't know any better. Yeah. And to dismiss them, actually, you are creating a groundswell of resistance. Sure. So the only way, and the only way out is to be patient. If it means going to that person 20 times, and on the 21st attempt, you are able to get them to change, then you have, you have made a giant leap. Hmm. Yeah. Wendy, how would you respond to that? Because I think that's, that's, it's, it's a critical part of trying to communicate. And as, as Mabalani says, that, that there is a groundswell of people who one can't dismiss and it would be wrong to dismiss. And how does one communicate to that group of people? Yeah, I think as Mabalani said, uh, Michelle, it's, uh, for me it's three things really. It's approaching... Um, uh, people with humility um, and with understanding of their context and their day-to-day um, um, context. Secondly, it's about um, removing oneself from the validity of people's concerns and fears, right? Mm. So it's one thing for me to know what I know and to make the decisions that I have made about getting vaccinated or, you know, uh, supporting a cause or whatever it is. But the point is, those people too have valid concerns and fears, mm, and they must be taken seriously. Um, it's, no, it's no use to dismiss people's valid fears and concerns. And then the third thing is about the patience that it needs, um, and mm. I think the level of investment that it needs. Um, it's a very expensive way of communicating because you're touching fewer people. Um, it takes longer. But the point is we need to exercise patience and, and really walk in there with a listening spirit and a listening spirit that also has the necessary credible information that um, can be shared with people so that they too can exercise their agency in making decisions about themselves. Yeah. But I think that it, it's really a combination of those three things. And that's why the work that the community partners, such as Mabalane, that we have, really allow us to really focus on the sort of uh, mediated communication that we do, knowing that we've got support of community partners that know the areas that they're operating in, are working with people who are known in those areas and trusted in those areas, but also are doing the hard work of going to each and every single community and having these conversations and trying to address them with credible partners that they have. Okay, we need to go to a break, but a quick question. Do, can people volunteer to do that? Yes, indeed. Yes, I mean, from um, I'll let Mabana answer that one. Yeah. Yes, they can volunteer. We, we need more volunteers. Uh, I mean, there is the... Uh, 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 a movement that has just been created, which is a, a movement of volunteers, which is the Vax, a, a Vax a, a, a volunteers. So we need everyone in our small circles of influence, in our families, yeah. in our communities. We need champions who have lived the course, uh, who have gone through their fears and can be easier champions for, for others. So we need all hands on deck. Hands on deck. We are going to go to a break. When we come back, Wendy, we'll go to your second guest, but we also have a couple of questions. The Jet Set Breakfast on SAFM. Destination unknown.
We're chatting to Wendy Tlo, who is the executive director of the Solidarity Fund. Wendy, there's a question here from Eleanor saying, I'd like to know how influenced the Solidarity Fund is by the ANC government. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. We get that question quite a lot. So the Solidarity Fund really um, is set up as an independent organization from government, from business. Um, and, and really from civil society. However, we do have participation of government, of business, and um, civil society in the board of the Solidarity Fund so that mm. we have perspectives, multi-stakeholder perspectives in yeah. terms of how to respond to the crisis, yeah. but not in any way influenced by any political party or any government department for that matter. We do work with government in terms of supporting the national effort um, around fighting COVID-19 as well as the vaccine rollout. But certainly um, very much an independent non-profit organization. Brilliant. Second question. How will the Solidarity Fund, this is an interesting one, how will the Solidarity Fund messaging change concerning the vaccination booster? (laughs) Ah, okay. <laughs> um, it will change when we get to it. Um, I think that there is a Sisonget 2 that is currently running, which is about uh, offering the booster vaccine, I think it's J&J, to healthcare workers who received um, the first dose um, when we had Sisonget 1 at the very beginning of the vaccine rollout. But I think that um, I, I do recall reading that Pfizer um, has um, approached Sapra yes, yeah. on Friday in terms yeah. of those boosters. So as soon as um, you know, we get clarity um, and there's a policy and, and directive from the National Department of Health, we will then have to think about how um, we'll respond to that. But I think importantly, um, Michelle, for us, the concern is now, right? The concern mm. is those first jabs in arms. The concern is getting as many people fully vaccinated Mm. as quickly as possible um, Mm. because that then gives us um, the ability to fight this impending uh, uh, fourth wave that we can all see is probably at its very beginning with the rise in numbers. So the numbers numbers today compared to yesterday. Exactly. Exactly. So really what what we're really focused on, Mabalane, myself and other organizations, is really about saying can we get as many of us with the first jabs in our arms as soon as possible? And then the issue of boosters, I think, is something uh, for the policymakers to make declarations on, after which we will then be able to um, put together whatever strategies we need to in terms of supporting that. So we've got about five minutes left, and we do want to go to your second uh, choice guest, Lisa Diashani, who is the chief creative officer at Joe Public. I mean, Joe Public as an ad agency, they have been flying over the last couple of months. I mean, winning awards left, right and center. Olisa, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Michelle. So good to be here with you guys. So I I would love to know. Um, and we'll start with you, Lisa. How do you two work together? Because this is this is an interesting space. uh, I imagine that you're having to engage in. Um, yeah, it's been a beautiful journey, I must be honest, for us as an agency. Um, we have a history in behavioral change communication. 
Yeah. And when the opportunity came, I mean, we worked with Brothers for Life. We, in fact, we, we created Brothers for Life a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, and there's a couple of initiatives that we worked on over the years. So when the opportunity came to work with the Solidarity Fund, I think we knew that the country was in an extraordinary uh, position. We've never been in, in, in this position before. And, um, and we, we, we had the opportunity to, to, to pitch for the business. We did against many other agencies. And we ended up working together. And it's been an extraordinary journey. I must say one of my favorite things about working on the Solidarity Fund is the, the level of consultation that you have to do. Wow. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those, because you, you literally, you, you are you're consulting government, you are consulting experts, you are consulting the public. Um, you know, the amount of research that goes into the kind of communication that you put out. And at the same time, you still have to make sure that the work has that creative edge to make sure that you get people's attention. So it's been an incredible journey for us. You talk about who you're all consulting. I'm, I'm, uh, the, you're also consulting your family. I mean, let's think about this. You could be vaccinated, but your father may not be vaccinated. Your brother may not be vaccinated. Your mother may be vaccinated. How does one engage in that kind of behavioral change within the family? Um, I think that's the, that's the beauty about working on something like this. Um, the funny thing, Michelle, is that I lost my mother during this period. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and I'll never forget that one of the things, and, and Wendy's got stories that she'll tell you about yeah. family members that, that we've, we've unfortunately uh, lost during this period. So it makes it extremely personal, I think, for us. It makes it extremely personal. But at the same time, because the, the way that the work is done, there's this level of uh, consultation that you'll do, whether it's from a research point of view, whether it's you are talking to certain uh, parts of society, that all feeds into the work, that by the time that, the, the, that everybody else gets to see that final product, you've had that level of consultation. And to the point that you're making, in many cases, it's extremely personal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Wendy, we need to close on you. And I'm just uh, thinking, as a closure, how would you lift this up? Um, we know that there are people who don't believe in vaccination. We know that people who are hesitant. I mean, the, the percentages of that are fascinating percentages. I saw that recently in a presentation. But how would you lift it up? What's the way to go? Obviously, people, there are those of us who are saying, I'm getting vaccinated. There are those of us who are hesitant. There are those of us who say, no, I'm not getting vaccinated, finished in class. So one would then focus on the hesitant. What's the, the process there? I think firstly is um, find and believe in science and credible information. Mm. Um, because we all know that there's a lot of misinformation and disinformation going around. Yeah. Um, secondly, um, raise your fears and concerns so that they can be properly, properly addressed. Yeah. Um, by the people who have the the expert knowledge um, about vaccines. And then thirdly, I think it's important for us as South Africans to realize that the responsibility really is with each and every one of us as individuals um, to get this country to function optimally again, economically and in many other ways. And the only way for us to do that, the one mechanism that we know that works, that we have at our disposal in large numbers of supply in the country is the vaccine. So if we want the country to open up properly, if we want to address issues of youth unemployment, if we want 
to address issues of raging poverty, we must therefore play our part in making sure that we're equipped to do that. And the way to do that is to get vaccinated. Wendy Tlo, thank you so much for joining us. It's 10 o'clock. It's time for the news. It's no longer good morning. It's now goodbye.